Hi, I'm Danny Hernandez, a member of Christian Bible Fellowship. Welcome to today's episode of the Shepherd LA podcast. Shepherd LA is a conference to inspire and connect like-minded church leaders for greater church health in Los Angeles. Learn more at shepherdla.org. As always, I'm joined by PJ Tobian, a pastor of Bethany Baptist Church in Bellflower here in Southeast Los Angeles. Today we are joined by our brother, Denise Kilama. How are you, brother? I'm well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from, what do you do? So my name is Kilama Dennis. I am a senior pastor, Lugogo Baptist Church and Vice President, Africa Renewal University. I come to you from Kampala and born and raised in northern Uganda, serving and equipping leaders in Uganda and beyond. It's a joy to be with you this day. That's fantastic. And we'll get a little bit more into that. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you, how did you come to know the Lord? How did you get saved? So I got to know the Lord uh, many years ago, uh, and my story is kind of uh, seeing a life that had been impacted and transformed by the power of the gospel uh, and being drawn to that. My father was given to drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was depressed because of his drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we'd run out of home. Uh, a very difficult and dark time it was. Uh, and living in that very difficult and dark time, seeing how my father had responded life through drinking uh, and later him being preached to uh, by one little girl as he was drinking and he was drunk with alcohol preached to uh, somewhere he knows from he mentions from the book of Romans Mm -hmm. uh, knelt down and he was prayed for Uh, that marked the beginning of the journey and so for me to see his life uh, Mm -hmm. changed and impacted by the power of the gospel caused me to begin asking questions what is this that could change a man of this nature? So even while your dad is drinking, he hears a gospel yeah. that saves him. You see his life change, and then yeah. you start questioning. So at what point did you feel like, okay, I, I believe this. this. This is the gospel. I, I want to repent for my sin and trust in Christ. When did, when, do you remember what, exactly when that happened, or how did that come about? Five years after he had, I had seen this change, I was drawn to begin asking questions. Questions of one, who is this that could have changed him? So questions of... Who is God? Mm-hmm. And what does God actually mean and do in my life? What, how can he actually change an individual from this one state to the other? Uh, and I desired to actually be that change. And so that, the questions that I began to ask, uh, he was very patient and gracious that he actually answered uh, them. So eventually uh, I knelt down one evening and he actually led me uh, in a prayer. And then it was firm and clear in my heart that this was the path. Praise God, brother. That's awesome. How how old were you at that point? I was 12. Mm. When you got saved? Yes. So seven years old when your dad converted? Yeah. Wow. I'm PJ Tobian, by the way. (laughs) You're always on this podcast. (laughs) Pastor of Bethany Baptist Church. And a member. With (laughs) Ivan, too. We have a member here. Hey, how's it going, fellas? That's Ivan Garcia. He's one of the interns here. Member extraordinaire, Bethany Baptist Church. (laughs) So back to our brother, Denise. Uh, how, tell us a little bit about your family. So I'm married uh, mm-hmm. to one wife, uh, and we have uh, five children that we're taking care of. Uh, my youngest is uh, four years, and the oldest that we're taking care of is 16, and they're part of our family. We live together in Kampala, where we are serving. Now, one wife in America is the only legal thing, but give us a little bit of context. In, in Uganda, yeah, in Uganda, you if you are introducing yourself as a church leader, you have to be very specific 
because they're leaders that have probably more than one wife. Wow. Uh, wow. So yeah, I make it clear for you to know that I have one wife. She's by the names of Yvonne. Uh, mm-hmm. We got married traditionally, mm-hmm. and God was gracious, uh, provided for us to do that, and got wed in church uh, mm-hmm. as well. And together, God has blessed us with two biological children and three others that we're taking care of. So, brother, just for a little bit of context as we get to know more of your story and the work that you do there, can you tell us what, what the state of Uganda is in terms of just as a nation and, and Christianity and the gospel? Yeah. Uganda has had uh, some form of Christianity for close to 100 or so years. And over the years, uh, people have become numb and have begun mixing uh, the traditional religion together with the, what they would call Christianity. So, so many nominal Christians, you'd say close to 85%, but most of them are actually only Christian in name. Uh, and many of these would actually, uh, on Sunday, go to church, on Christmas, go to church, on Easter, go to church. Uh, but the gospel, uh, the very words of the scriptures are very far. And this is evident when children are born uh, from the practices that they do, that this child will be prayed for in a shrine, but will also be brought in some places to be baptized, in some places to be dedicated in the same breath. Uh, When people are getting married, uh, they would seek to, again, satisfy the traditional requirements Mm. and place the gospel occasionally aside and want to probably sleep with the lady just to confirm if she can give birth. Mm. At burials, you see this where people would have had an experience uh, as a pastor where we were doing this burial and went through all the things that we were doing and got to a point where they, I was clearly told, Pastor, you now stop here. Let us go and do our things. Mm. And when someone says our things, uh, they are meaning let us go and speak to the ancestors, let us go and perform these rituals. So one of the big, big challenges, again, in the church is this whole thing of syncreticism, uh, people being putting on a Christian cloth, yet deep inside are actually not Christian. And that has made it very difficult to actually spread through uh, the gospel. The second one is Islam. Uh, Uganda hosts the second largest mosque on the entire continent of of Africa. Uh, This was a mosque that was, the story uh, was that they began to build it in the 70s, and the believers then had only one option, to pray. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a very difficult president, Idi Amin Dada, who began this construction through support from Muammar Gaddafi uh, from Libya. They began to build this, and the Christians could not do much, and the only thing they had to do was pray. And each time they prayed, the minaret, the very long prayer tower, uh, kept turning. For some reason, they couldn't complete it. Uh, Praise be to God that Idi Amin left, uh, but by the time he left, the church was hurt and wounded. And what that left for Islam was Islam to actually grow. So we see the growth of Islam uh, and it just kept growing. And the Muslims are using a lot of charity. Uh, They are attracting people uh, on Fridays, giving all these arms and what as ways of actually attracting uh, people. Uh, So one, we talk of the mixing of syncreticism. Two, the challenge of Islam. The third one, which is actually growing and spreading among young people, is the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth. Uh, so many people are being sucked into it. It is very appealing. It is appealing, quote unquote, because it is offering false hope to people. It right. is telling people you can become wealthy. God wants you rich. God wants you prosperous. And because people are sick, 
uh, they're being told you are actually going to be healed if you have enough faith and it is actually spreading through and for many of these actually preachers that are coming from the usa uh, now me having come to la and sat and seen this context uh, constantly i've had these preachers refer to america as the promised land mm. a land that is flowing with <clears throat> milk and honey a land of plenty and so there are pastors that have specialized quote unquote they claim they have the anointing for you to get the american visa for you to get the visa to the promised land uh, and many young people are actually being drawn into this so predominantly uganda is a young church young country mm-hmm. if you come to an average church you are going to find so many young people uh, so many young people and i'm talking about the average age for people for someone to really be old uh, we're talking of about 32, 33, you're considered an elder. Uh, But the average is about 15, 16, 17, 18. Uh, And many of these are people who are, they're soft. I mean, they would hear something, good music, get excited. I talk about exegesis, Bible interpretation, no teaching gospel as it is. For some of them, they would be uh, drawn away. So that's a bit of the the state. Uh, We've seen so many people come from the U.S. and teach things that are not in the Bible. Uh, and I'm, I am surprised that there are so many excellent Bible teachers in this country. I am surprised that there are so many pastors that are trained. I can count on my fingers the number of MDVs that we have in Uganda. Uh, and I'm talking of counting them on my, on my palms. Uh, and seeing how many you know, pastors are able to get training, how many are able to ac- access some form of uh, reading, this is not this is not there. Uh, we don't see these in the media. The people who are being shown on TV, and I'm not certain it's right to mention names, but are people here who we by ourselves are actually questioning. Uh, but when I question them as a Ugandan, they say, what do you have to show? Because these are people teaching in stadiums, big stadiums they come to uganda with private jets uh, they are owning prime time on the national radio and television station they've held the nation captive when they come they are hosted by the president they are hosted by you know the key politicians right. uh, and these are coming through through this so again our prayer has been to see how solid biblical teaching can actually be brought to the church uh, it is drowning and drowning this health and wealth gospel that is charismatic and uh, in a way uh, exciting to people and uh, yeah and you know one of the things that you talked about with me when we had uh, lunch the other day was um, malaria and HIV can you talk a little bit about how that that problem how that um, is a dangerous mixture with the prosperity gospel how that combination is deadly in in Uganda today. Malaria is the largest killer for children below the age of five. Uh, in Uganda, one of the biggest birthdays that we do celebrate uh, is a child getting to the age of five, uh, wow. because many children will die by that age. Mm. Uh, the second one is HIV/AIDS. Uh, close to 1.5 million people out of 40 million have HIV/AIDS, and in Uganda we say you are either infected or affected. So either one has the disease or has a family member that has the disease. And for these two, I mean, a basic dose of malaria drug could be about maybe $2. Uh, HIV AIDS uh, is slightly cheaper. But what the, what the prosperity gospel has done, it has drawn people. It has told people, you do not need to take medicine. 
you do not need to actually god is faithful and he will heal you drop the drugs come to me sow a seed and if you sow a seed that is generous and a seed is money a seed yes a seed is is money uh, and the more you sow the more god is going to quote unquote work so right. people are given this sense of hope uh, and there are people that testify uh, come and tell you see i was not i was this way i had this disease i went back to the hospital and they checked me out and i didn't have it and so what uh, it has done it has given this prosperity gospel some sort of soil to run onto people who are, people are sick and the doctors are telling them you're going to have to live with this disease uh, learn to live with it and let's control it within that the prosperity gospel is telling no 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 god is able to cure you you either pray uh, for these many days or sow a seed and many people have actually died i know people that have died in churches uh, that have died in pastors homes uh, with the faith and hope that they will be cured mm. yeah because they're believing this yeah and health, they tell wealth, them prosperity false yeah, gospel die you'd rather die believing then get healed and get healed deny and quote unquote it. deny the faith yeah wow now brother when when some of these folks maybe are disappointed by the prosperity gospel maybe in their minds they think that that's the gospel that's christianity when it's really not yeah. do you find that that has an effect when then let's say you go and share the gospel with these people the true gospel yeah. and they might say like no i don't want to believe in christianity or I'm mad at God or I'm mad at Jesus or, or I don't want to believe the Bible because I was disappointed or I was let down, you know, because I, I wasn't healed or a family member wasn't healed. Do you, do you see an impact in terms of your evangelism in that regard? Yeah, we do see, we do see an impact and probably it is on two extremes. Uh, there's a group of people that are so bitter and embittered against the church that they do not want to hear the word pastor. In fact, in Uganda, there are places that if you went to and said, I am pastor, they know you as a trickster, as a con man, so yourself are not even mentioning that you're pastor uh, because people have been hurt. They've seen their families be broken. So there's one extreme of the pendulum that wants nothing to do with the gospel because they've been in church and they have been cheated or they have seen a family member go to church and they are cheated. The other extreme would be of people who are drawn away and they shun it and they hate it. The majority have been people who have turned their back against the church. Uh, and repeatedly, so there's a group now that has been again praying several days and just telling people if you pray, there are days that God has quote-unquote revealed, intended to reveal his glory. And there are 77 because the number seven is, is symbolic in the Bible, perfection of wellness. And this is seven double. And right. so if you're sick of HIV AIDS, if you're sick of any disease, there's a window of opportunity for you to seek God. Mm -hmm. And so people have been praying. But in the process of praying, people are being told that if you want to be blessed, give. And people have picked televisions from their homes and they have given. They have picked land titles and we talk of family land, land that is owned by family and one individual chooses to take it. Now, when a person takes the land title or takes the husband's television, it is going to cause dissent in the family. Right. The husband, who may not be Christian, doesn't want anything to do with pastors, doesn't want anything to do with the gospel. So there have been people who do not want anything to do with the gospel because of that. So, okay, so in light of, in light of these challenges, you're following Jesus as a Christian. You're leading a church. You're part of Africa Renewal University. How do you follow Jesus in the Great Commission of making disciples in light of the challenges of Islam, syncretism, 
Prosperity Gospel, what's going on at uh, Lugogo Baptist Church, um, that's, and what are you doing there that's helping in terms of honoring the Lord, and then what are you doing at Africa Renewal University? So your role, and then just what the church and the, yeah. the school. So my role at Lugogo Baptist Church has been the senior pastor. Uh, we keep saying at Lugogo we exist to know Christ and to make him known, and we do this in three ways. Uh, one, we are very intentional on the evangelism. Uh, we are actually involved in going out, uh, specifically because we are from a young country. We've been involved in going out to the schools, so to the primary schools, to the high schools, uh, where we open the Bible uh, and actually speak to the students. So we are actually being involved in going out. Two, we have been showing the Jesus film, uh, and we do this in the local language. Praise be to God mm-hmm. uh, that the Jesus film can be shown in people's mother tongue. And for people to see Jesus speaking in Luganda, in Acholi, in Kiswahili, has just been a powerful tool. And over Easter, for three days, we have close to a thousand people just come and sit in the grass and watch Jesus' film. And that has been a very uh, powerful tool. Uh, We're going out to the communities door-to-door sharing, so that's evangelism. The second one is discipleship. So when the people come to us, we actually would want to take time and disciple them. Uh, and the discipleship happens in different levels. Uh, a group of ladies that meet together uh, to study the Bible as a platform to again guard them. Uh, the other for discipleship has been to teach again leaders and uh, teach them in the very basics of uh, Bible interpretation. So there's a program that we've been doing for about six months where we study every week uh, the Bible and Bible interpretation. The other for discipleship has been again working out with different friends and partners that are doing different things. Uh, and for us, it's not just within the church but with other churches. So we are part of the Baptist Union of Uganda that has close to 2,000 churches uh, that are brought together from nine different, we call them regions in Uganda, and we've been very critical uh, right around the central region, just bringing pastors to, again, disciple and bless the pastors so they can go out and bless their congregations. The third thing that we do is care for the needy. Uh, We're really, really very strong. Uh, We believe that it's very critical. Uh, And we have a team of volunteers that serves at the hospital. Uh, We have a ministry that works with the widows uh, in the church and out of the church. It's a program that began with about 13 widows, and now there are about 90 widows. Uh, We do not give them money directly, uh, but we've encouraged them to save from their little savings, and they've been able to grow businesses. We've trained them. So that's one way. This is 90 widows that are in contact with your local church. Yes, they are in contact. So rather than teach them the prosperity gospel, we're telling them, you already have something. Uh, So they do what we call village banking. Uh, Every week you make a commitment to save a certain amount of money. But as they come to make that saving, they actually are opening the Bible. Uh, And they have drawn into this space other women, widows, that were not Christian. Okay, so Uh, it's stewardship, but then they're evangelizing. Yes. Sharing the gospel with non-Christians. Yeah, without telling them, sow a seed. We say, no, this is your money. At the end of the year, you'll get it. So we, as, as a church, we have been involved in that. Uh, and in partnership with the likes of now Acts 29 is coming and we're hosting them uh, in Kampala. Uh, we're really grateful for that. Uh, as Africa Renewal University, we've been right at the forefront of this. So I serve at the university as the vice president. Uh, and Africa Renewal University is a university that, again, is there to equip leaders. Uh, our dream and vision is to equip leaders that will go out and begin to transform society uh, and you know, teach them through God's word uh, to go out 
uh, and again change the society. I will bring together students from about nine different countries uh, and we've been again teaching them the very basic students from South Sudan and now that we are training and our prayers that they will go back to South Sudan and teach uh, the gospel. Now the university is such that many people will come in because most Christians in Uganda when they hear the gospel it is prosperity gospel. That is what is on the radio, that is what is on TV. When the pastors are preaching, they take notes because it is translated. Uh, it's translated. I'm not sure if it's right to mention names here. Uh, but they would hear some of these names. And they would, because it's translated, they would hear someone on radio and go and preach it. You could mention a name. Maybe uh, the there, are several, there are several names uh, that have come through. Benny Hinn has been Benny uh, quite a big. One there, uh, yeah. He's come and every day is on TV at 9 o'clock. Uh, Joel Austin is on radio every day uh, at 3 o'clock. And they would listen and it's translated. And as they hear, many are drawn to them because these are very, quote-unquote, wealthy people. Yeah. And they have this, they have attained it. And because they quote the Bible, they think it's really biblical teaching. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's not only teaching. hearing false teaching, it's false taking teaching. Benny Hinn, Joel Austin, translating, translating it, and then preaching it. Yeah, re -preaching. Re -preaching. Because that's the, those are the people on radio. And that's why I keep thinking faithful people, like we've had at the TGC, to actually come uh, and come ahead and actually do this work. These people are nowhere. We only hear now. For me, who has read a little bit, I can hear of some of their names and identify uh, but they they are here uh, within this context and are not actually coming across and we are drowning in this thing. Uh, this thing is swallowing us up and they're coming through from the U.S. So our call again is for leaders here that are solid uh, gospel teachers to actually come and do something similar. These guys are gathering people in stadiums and we're talking of about 40,000 and in certain instances asking people to pay. Now when Creflo Dollar came over and people were being charged uh, to come and you know, learn how to, in a way, be successful or something. And people were paying because they want to. They are living in misery. They are living in poverty. They are dealing with sicknesses. Their reality is that they literally want to. They are looking for any option uh, that they ought to, to deal with. So, uh, again, wow. we've, we've been That's struggling so over the years to, again, see how to. So many of them will come and they are, I would use the word innocent. They've just loved God, they love His Word, and what they hear on radio is what they'll take. They just assume it's right. And it's okay. right. Yeah. Wow, that's unfortunate. And Sorry. so that has been what has come through from this way, and we're dealing with, with that by teaching the Bible. And the other has been very many traditional, uh, syncretic, uh, cultic movements. And we're actually dealing and battling with that as well. Uh, now, In the university or in the church? Yes, in the, the university, church. because that's part of what we teach. We're teaching a minister that is going to go out to a context in Africa and deal with some of these realities. Right. Right. Yeah. So we do not teach them in the sense of these are the cults, but we're saying these are the realities that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And kind of draw it as a triangle, teach them the very basics of exegesis, uh, Bible interpretation, and then get into... Once they've done then a bit of biblical theology, uh, we teach them the biblical theology, and then practical uh, courses. So uh, it's laid on a basis of the right interpretation of the Bible. If I can interpret the Bible right, and then I have a solid biblical theology, and I have a good systematic theology, then I can do counseling uh, very well. I can do missions and evangelism very well. I can do the other practical pastoral work uh, very well. Okay, two things here. Um, on the the Africa Renewal University, is it mostly pastors that are being students, or there's others? So there's others okay. uh, as well uh, that we are we are doing now. Uh, so we have pastors that are studying through, uh, but people that work around the pastor. Uh, 
so we have students that are studying com- child development. Child development. Yeah. Okay. okay. Because Uganda is predominantly young. Community development. Community development. Social work. Social work. Uh, and social administration. Community health. Do you need some social work teachers too? Even visiting yes, professors? social work uh, teachers as well, because we seek to integrate the faith. For us, that's a very critical one, that the faith is actually integrated. And why we are teaching this is because uh, we needed to subsidize the pastoral training program. Okay. So the students that are doing community health, social work, uh, child, development. child development, and the others are paying tuition a little bit higher uh, so as to subsidize the uh, pastoral pastor okay. students. Yeah. Great. And then... Um, and you said even these folks are there. There is a gospel mentioning or a Christian perspective given into these classes, child yes, development, completely. Work. Yeah, Christian worldview, spiritual formation, New Testament, Old Testament uh, are pro- classes that they go, they actually go through, and they're required to go and do internships uh, among. We discovered there are so many Christian organizations uh, that, again. The gospel element was not uh, getting in that we actually thought preparing Christian teachers, preparing Christian social workers, yeah. child development workers would be critical. So um, I think one, I have one more question and then I want to go to how how listeners in America can help. Um, so the last question here is how does this relate briefly to unreached people groups? So unreached, unengaged ethnic people groups in Uganda, how does your ministry or the, the university reach out in frontier missions. So there are different groups that have not been reached uh, within our context with the gospel. While some have had, some have not had, and there are specific tribes. Uh, One are the Nubi, uh, who are not very far from Kampala. They are 99% Muslim, and there's no Bible in their mother tongue. Uh, they speak a combination of Bantu and Arabic uh, brought together. Another group among the Aringa, where two American missionaries were killed uh, probably about 15 to 20 years ago among the Aringa. Again, another group that is predominantly Muslim and it is actually closed. Uh, there's a group uh, up in northeastern Uganda that is being not reached. There's no church uh, among them. Uh, that we actually see uh, very clearly within our our context. We see also a mission frontier increasingly among refugees. Uganda hosts 1.2 million refugees, uh, and there are no churches among them. Uh, they are living in tents, and we see there's an opportunity to actually reach out to these. The Somalis uh, in Uganda, uh, in Somalia there's war. Uh, it is very difficult to send a missionary there. God has brought them to us, and we think there's an opportunity to actually engage them uh, with the gospel. And for us, each of these are specific mission frontiers where gospel workers uh, that are faithful are needed. Okay, excellent, excellent. So, PJ, as, as you hear this, as a pastor here in the United States, here in L.A., and even hearing how <clears throat> some of the negative impacts that even the United States and, and has had in terms of the gospel there, in terms of prosperity... What are your thoughts just hearing this as a pastor? Um, let's see. I'm writing it down right here. So I got a few things here that come to my mind. So for L.A. pastors, uh, pastor friends that I have, um, other church leaders who might hear this, the first thing I would say, uh, we should feel the burden and the need there. I think pastors need to go. And um, I know one of Denny's is a... Um, prayer requests and needs is visiting professors or even uh, residential ones in terms of Bible or even other other things, social work. So I think Christians and pastors need to consider going on a short-term or long-term mission trip 
and uh, connect with with uh, Denise or Africa Renewal University on opportunities there. I think churches need to be sending some people there to to help out. Uh, we we should certainly be supporting in terms of prayer and in finances. I'm going to ask uh, Denise here in a second what kind of ways can we financially support and pray. And then I think the other thing is um, is to connect the dots. So if you're going to be a faithful pastor in Los Angeles. You have to be a global pastor. That doesn't mean you have to go all around the globe. It means that you have to connect what you do to your neighbors to the nations. So if you're discipling members of the church, if you're discipling future leaders, if you're discipling your neighbors and trying to bring them to Christ, if you're gospelizing Christians or gospelizing non-Christians, you need, a, you need in your mind to think, the person I'm discipling here could go to the nations or might disciple someone who disciples someone who disciples someone to go to the nations. We have to understand that everything we do is for the sake of not only our neighbors, but the nations coming to Christ. And particularly, the urgent need of our day is the unengaged and unreached ethnic people groups. And so here in Uganda, you have a brother who's um, part of a university training pastors who are going to go to these unreached people groups. And, um, and the Lugogo Baptist Church, a gospel light that's discipling and church planting, for that some of them will go to the unreached people groups. So if you're a Christian listening or a pastor and you want to very intentionally connect to the frontier missions, um, here's an opportunity with, with brothers who are solid theologically, expository in terms of their drivenness. And even, you know, Dennis and I have been having conversations about what a healthy church is, you know, nine marks and things like that. So if you want to invest in healthy churches and training pastors, um, then I would certainly consider um, supporting this. But either way, we should always be connecting everything we do to the nations. So um, my last question then for, for you, um, brother, is how, what are some ways we could support the, how can we pray for or support the, the church? And then how can we pray for or support the university? Okay. So I'll start with the university. Uh, I request that we do pray for the university. Uh, we seek uh, people that can support the pastors to come over to the university. Uh, each semester would cost $600 and each year $1,200. Dollars, which is about $3,600 to actually get a pastor through an the entire whole program, program uh, yeah. of study. And I believe that the best gift that you can give to any church in Uganda or in Africa is a trained leader, a leader that is going to teach them the gospel and teach them from the very words of God. Uh, right. There's nothing better. Uh, so I call upon us uh, in that regard, one, uh, support a pastor. Two, if you are trained, you have something to offer. Uh, as I've already said, there are very few MDs uh, we already have, and that's uh, before we even think of the doctorate. So if you have been trained uh, in any field, probably master's or doctoral, or we want to invite you come and be a part of the programs that we do. So we reach out to pastors that have not been trained, uh, that do not know any form of uh, theological knowledge, that think and speak in their mother tongue uh, and with a little bit of English. Uh, we actually train them every January, May and August and we invite professors to come over for two weeks uh, and spend time with these students. They preach in their churches, uh, they teach in their churches and they work with uh, this group of, of students. They are basic courses uh, for church leaders that we do. Uh, so I call upon you and invite you uh, to be a part of them. Great. And so if you're listening, whether you can support for one semester, even half a semester, just anything, any any dollar here goes a lot farther. I mean, for tuition, for um, yeah. a bachelor's degree, 
or pastoral training, even in our seminaries, even in our cheapest seminaries, you have like a unit is $300. So that's like not even a full class. It's like half a class. So to get, and the $600 per semester covers room, yeah. board, tuition, yeah. everything. And meals. And meals. So it's, that's everything it covers. So um, yeah, just a tremendous opportunity there to support and in prayer and, 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 and in giving. So um, we should be praying that, they would, that God would provide professors, visiting professors, and finances. For the church, how can we pray for the church and be supportive of? So pray for the church as we seek to, again, reach out to some of these unreached people groups and engage them uh, specifically uh, for the Muslims uh, working in partnership with the university. We're training leaders uh, to plant one uh, specific church in an area that is predominantly uh, Muslim. So we call upon you in this regard to, again, pray and stand with us in this in this regard. Yeah. Um, did you say what you're preaching through already? Yes, we're preaching through uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Uh, and yeah, we've been going through that right up to the end of November. And we'll take a break. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, Let's see, Acts. And then did you talk about church planting initiatives already? Yes. In the, in uh, the we're working on the church planting initiatives. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Brother, I, I'm particularly thankful for you just in, in light of just hearing everything that is happening in Uganda, that you are faithfully preaching God's word um, and that you are really trying to you know, center your ministry on the gospel uh, just with the dire need you see around you. I mean, that's that's incredibly encouraging. And I think it's, it's a wake-up call even for pastors here in America, the importance of faithful expositional gospel-centered preaching i think we often underestimate that and we're seeing the ill effects of that and the unfortunate um, consequences that it can have even in other nations so i think it's a wake-up call for us and it makes me even more thankful brother that you are there doing this very difficult work and staying true to the gospel of jesus christ yeah i oh, i'll close by saying I'm, uh, it's been a great few days to hang out with you and to get to know you brother and um, I'm thankful for your heart for the Lord. Um, you've been a great encouragement to us, our church, our Bethany Baptist Church family, and even hanging out at the Gospel Coalition West Coast Conference, just day one today. You're, you're flying back tomorrow, but um, it's just been a great joy. And um, I, I think, in particular, it's important to know, you could go to lugogobaptist.org, L-U-G-O-G-O, lugogobaptist.org, you could, I mean, the first thing I look at is a statement of faith. So I go there. Even when I was at lunch with him, I look at the statement of faith to check if we're like-minded theologically. Uh, if you go to the Africa Renewal University, is it AfricaRenewalUniversity.org? AfricaRenewalUniversity.org. Okay, so if you go there, you can look at their statement of faith, and it's the Gospel Coalition statement of faith. So if you line up in regard to Christianity in, those, in that regard, then um, you would find a like-minded brother and a like-minded ministry here well worth investing in. So, thanks. Yeah. Before we go, PJ, do you mind praying for our brother? Really sure. Quickly? Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for saving us from our sins when we deserve your wrath. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for choosing us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in your sight when we have lived um, unholy lives. We're thankful for Christ. Father, we pray that your name would be honored as holy and that your sinner-saving, curse-reversing reign, your kingdom would come um, and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in Uganda as it is in heaven, in Los Angeles as it is in heaven, in Kampala as it is in heaven, and among the unreached ethnic people groups around the world. So, Father, we pray that you would provide visiting and residential professors for um, 
Africa Renewal University. We pray that you would provide finances for students, particularly the pastor students, who will be sent out and trained to um, preach Christ and uh, the whole counsel of God and disciple people and gospelize um, in the midst of the challenges of Islam and syncretism and the prosperity gospel and all the other brokenness in the world. Um, We pray for wisdom for our brother and other leaders and the professors. We pray, Father, for the churches there and Lugogo Baptist Church in particular. Bless the preaching of the book of Acts. Uh, Bless the pastor elders and the members of the church as they seek to grow as a healthy church. We pray that you'd bless the church planting initiatives, all for your glory. And um, Lord, we pray for all of our hearers, that, that those who listen and think about what's going on in Uganda, that you'd move in the hearts of some to pray and to give and to even send and go in ways that would help spread the gospel and move the ball forward in the mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you.